Welcome to Dragon Talk. I'm Greg Tito. I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Shelly Mazzanobo. And she is ready to dance the night away and or sing I a little song. I am inspired by our guest. Because our guest is Mr. Ben Queller, a, I guess you'd call him a pop rock musician. Yeah. Uh, it's been around for a long time. I've been a big fan of his. He, uh, uh, was in Brooklyn, New York, when when I was there for a while. I actually got to see him at a show. Maybe I'll get a chance to uh, be like, "Hey, I saw you play once oh, in man. front of me," and, <laughs> and with a whole lot of other people there. <laughs> I um, bet he'll totally remember. Oh you yeah, know? I'll be like, "Oh yeah, you were that guy that was dancing God. around like an idiot." I'm like, "Yeah, that was probably me." Um, but uh, yeah, no, he's this great musician. Then I found out just a little while ago that he played Dungeons and Dragons, uh, and uh, I was and like, "Loves it." Let's get him on this podcast and talk about it. So I'm excited about that. We'll pick his brain about uh, yeah. how he started uh, everything, and uh, you know, maybe just learn about music because I've got a lot of questions. Actually. I know you do. I do. You both. I like to. I did. I like to pick the minds of creative types. That's right. Yeah. And I think that's a big part of uh, this podcast. So we're excited about that. But uh, before we get to that, we shall uh, tell you about a few things. Storm King's Thunder is uh, an adventure, an epic adventure. And it is out in stores right now. You can check it out also on Roll20 and on Fantasy Grounds. If you're not into that whole you know, physical book thing, you can... Uh, <laughs> Play with your friends uh, using those virtual tabletops and get friends almost all over the world. All of the uh, convenient maps and and uh, uh, calculations that those programs do for you. So go check that out. Very cool. Uh, Volo's Guide to Monsters is coming up pretty soon as well. November fourth. There's an alternate cover. Uh, I'll tell you more about that in the outro. Uh, but it is on our my radar as one of the coolest books to come out. It's got a lot of stuff about monsters, their lore, their background. Tons of new uh, stats that you can drop into your game at any time. But, you know, dude, I'm actually more excited about the the, the story and the oh. lores than everything else. The lores. The lores. Yes. And speaking of lores, uh, I think we might have a lore you should know. Oh, good. Coming up. So let's get to that with Mr. Chris Perkins and Matt Cernit. Okay. All right. Welcome to another segment of Lore You Should Know. I am joined by Mr. Chris Perkins. Hello. Hello. How goes it on this fine day? This fine gray Seattle day. Yes. Beautiful fall day. Everything is great. It, I, I'm hoping that that great has a G and an N in it. Uh, because Ganate? We're talking about ganoles. Ganoles? <laughs> Uh, Matt Certain is still gallivanting away, uh, but uh, in the meantime, we're going to uh, uh, yeah get into what makes these half hyena, half humanoid creatures uh, so special. Yeah. So the proper pronunciation of the creature's name is Noel. The G <laughs> is, not is a good Noel, silent. Yes. Do not listen to yes. me or my stupid dad jokes. And uh, uh, Noel's. Uh, have appeared since the earliest editions of uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and uh, they were in the D&D White Box, which was published in 1974. That's where they made their premiere and were then picked up for the first edition Monster Manual. And they are one of many evil humanoid races that populate the game and our game worlds. Do gnolls have a, uh, you know, kind of a historical background as far as like the human history of um, 
<laughs> of our world. Uh, uh, you know, is, is there like fairy stories around gnolls? As a matter of fact, there is. And uh, in, in doing some research, uh, some information from Wikipedia, which is really interesting, is uh, that there's a creature described as the gnoll that first appeared in Lord Dunsany's 1912 story, how Nuth would have practiced his art upon the gnolls. Um, and reappeared in Margaret St. Clair's The Man Who Sold Rope to the Knolls. Uh, without going into too much detail, um, it, is, it is said in, in the Wikipedia article that it's the literary, uh, Gary Gygax's knoll is the literary descendant of Lord Dunsany's knolls, uh, um, who were uh, these clever, evil, non-human creatures. Mm -hmm. um, now, in the white box, they were described as a cross between gnomes and trolls. Oh. Hence, gnolls. Interesting. Yeah. Which is <laughs> weird. That is weird, because that's not how I picture them at all, really. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah, exactly. And in fact, uh, by the time they made it with an illustration in the monster manual, uh, they don't really resemble either. I see. Um, they are they are as they have appeared since more or less tall, bipedal, uh, slightly taller than human, like about six six and a half seven foot tall, humanoids with shaggy fur and hyena heads, hmm. and they've pretty much been that way through every edition consistently. We haven't uh, changed their looks dramatically except to make the hyena head a little bit more hyena like hmm. um, in certain editions. Uh, we have certainly gone to town on in developing their story. Right. So where did they, wh what was the story of the original kind of idea of, of where Knowles came from? Um, so in the, in their original form, they were simply described as uh, evil humanoids who followed a demon lord named Yinoku. And that's really all we know about them. Oh. And if you sort of track their use in adventures over the years, um, early on it didn't seem like we really leveraged or took advantage of that sort of demonic aspect of right. them. They were basically used interchangeably with hobgoblins and orcs and and those kinds of races. They were just if more like be, a bestial bad guy. Exactly. Just drop in right. whenever. Yeah, just wild bad guys you can throw in and you just fight them and you don't feel bad for killing them. <laughs> right. Um, but in... In later editions, uh, we we went back to this original tie to the god to the demon lord, sorry, Yinoku, and said, okay, let's make these guys truly fiendish, demonic-like mm -hmm. creatures. If they if they worship a demon, they're going to be chaotic, evil, violent, vicious, cr un unnaturally cruel um, marauders, mm -hmm. and. Uh, in 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 fifth edition, uh, we sort of really kind of ran with that concept and said, uh, you know, hobgoblins will march on a town and subjugate it like the tyrants that they are. Orcs, who are brutal savages, will um, run roughshod over a town, loot it, and then move on and go back into the mountains with their bounty. Right. Um, Knolls will skin you alive and wear your rib cage for a hat um, and burn the town to the ground uh, and move on. 
Right. Well, and then the previous two, hobgoblins and orcs, do those things for resources for in order yes. to feed their young, yeah. ostensibly, you know, right. for, for 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 you know uh, reasons that a society would do such things. But the right. gnolls do it for the pure joy. Of, yeah, gnolls of are gnolls are like a wildfire. They're just sort of this out of control, rampaging force that won't stop until you kill them all, really. Mm. And they don't, uh, unlike orcs who live in mountain caves and occasionally take over crumbling strongholds. And unlike hobgoblins who are masters of industry and build strongholds and take over towns and have bulwarks and fortifications and uh, um, organized legions, gnolls don't really have lairs to speak of. Their lair is wherever they happen to be at that moment, and they just move from one place to another um, in packs. Now, one of the newest ideas about gnolls, something that's not present in their original D&D lore, is the way in which they are spawned. Mm. Um, and uh, the the current story is thus that periodically Yinogu escapes from the abyss and rampages across the world and any humanoid that he massacres any humanoid that he kills uh, he leaves the sort of bloody smashed up corpse in his wake and the packs of hyenas that follow him feast on that corpse and when they do they transform into gnolls the, the hyenas The themselves. hyenas do. So uh, uh, the story we run with is that gnolls are actually transformed hyenas, uh, given a monstrous form resembling that of their demonic lord. So some of the dem- demonic you know, uh, power or saliva even yes, that, that exactly. Unoga leaves behind yes, infects precisely, them. precisely, exactly. That's cool. I like that um, idea. And there are gnolls um, called uh, the fangs of Yinogu who are gifted with the power to do very much the same thing that uh, they can, uh, through their kills, um, offer up corpses to hyenas, which then transform into gnolls, Mm -hmm. which is why if you want to make sure, if you want to stop a pack of gnolls, it is very important that you kill the fang or fangs of Yinogu. Otherwise, they can just make more. Right. Or kill all the hyenas. Or kill all the hyenas. Exactly. And a knoll pack is almost always accompanied by a large number of hyenas, usually about as many hyenas as there are knolls. Yeah. So it's almost like they're, they're camp followers in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. In that they, uh, uh, that's where they spawn new. Yep. Creepy. All right. So why, why hyenas? What is it about Yunogu's connection to hyenas uh, that uh, you know, makes this powerful? Um, I think that... Um, there's something about the nature of the the pack mentality of the hyena that you know the way they gang up on creatures that is sort of suggestive of how demons behave mm-hmm. um, that these aren't domesticatable creatures they're not like hounds or other dogs um, you you can't trust a hyena uh, it's it's pretty shifty um, and in this case we're just sort of taking that literally mm-hmm. and and saying yeah well this thing can this thing is basically, um, but part of it has to do with the the way Yinoku was depicted early on in in the Monster Manual. He looked like a big hyena, demon man, basically. Right. Uh, and so um, hyenas and him have always sort of been associated with one another. Interesting. Uh, okay, so um, and and a lot of this information is in Volo's Guide to Monsters. Yes, the gnolls get extensive treatment in the book. Uh, we not only talk about the ecology behavior of of gnolls in general, and their relationship with Yinoku and with hyenas. Uh, we also talk about uh, some different 
kinds of gnolls and uh, demons that associate with gnolls or often encountered with gnolls. Hmm. Um, one of them, one of the demons is a Shusava, which was uh, originated in a Dragon Magazine article written by Roger Moore in 1982. Um, they're basically like hyena demons, um, big monstrous quadrupedal beasts who will sometimes associate and help gnoll packs in their murder rampage. But in diff- like in a different way than the fangs of Unogu do, or yeah, the, these demons are basically just brutes. Mm-hmm. Um, they exist more on the abyss. Exactly. Yeah, the, and they're often gifted to powerful gnolls by Unogu. It's like here's a pet um, <laughs> that that sort of models your your needs and behavior. Um, but the original Fiend Folio um, uh, that uh, released in 1981 had a gnoll offshoot in it too, called a Flind. What's a flind? Um, a flind is a more intelligent version of the common knoll. And uh, it survives in uh, Volo's Guide to Monsters as a sort of knoll variant mm. um, that can often lead a pack. Uh, and they are very dangerous. Um, can they uh, become spellcasters? Uh, they don't typically become spellcasters, but they tend to be uh, much more... Uh, much better fighters mm. than typical gnolls. Better at tactics. Yes. Uh, uh, and in the Fiend Folio, they had a specific weapon called a flind bar, which was like a, a three-part staff held together with chains, mm. um, almost like a, a nunchucks or something like that. Interesting. Uh, in in Volo's Guide to Monsters, um, Mike Merles had the idea of keeping the idea of three for some reason, that seemed like an interesting idea, but then uh, having giving them a weapon like the three-headed flail of mm. Yinoku to even bring them closer to Yinoku. And so they wield these terrible three-headed flails, and depending on the number of flail heads you're hit by, bad things can happen to you. Uh, very interesting little mechanical uh, Connect- idea, con- connection. Right, right. I like that too. And a lot of... Uh, 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 Yunogu was fleshed out in Out of the Abyss as well. Yes, yeah. In fact, uh, that we statted up Yunogu in Out of the Abyss because he makes an appearance there. Um, it's one of the worst wand- wandering monster encounters ever. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you walk into a cave and there's a demon lord. Oh, <laughs> run away, run away. Yes. Yep. Uh, cool. Uh, so how do you think uh, uh, some Dungeon Masters will be able to use uh, gnolls in their, in their campaign world? Knolls are just a good wandering wilderness threat. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, as, as we said at the beginning, you don't feel sad about killing knolls. They are just rampaging heathens. Um, what's interesting uh, is that they will sometimes join forces with non-knolls who worship demons or Yinoku specifically. Mm-hmm. Like there, there could be a human cult uh, operating in the wilderness and maybe have a, a t- hidden temple or, or lair to Yinoku and have gnolls essentially as a force of destruction that they can unleash upon nearby lands and nearby settlements to cause all sorts of havoc. And so you can kind of bring gnolls into a, a story where they're playing nice with some creatures that they wouldn't otherwise associate with. Um, and okay. these cultists are crazy, of course. They're just completely off their nut. Um, 
bringing about the end of the world. Exactly. And uh, one of the things we did in Out of the Abyss with gnolls uh, that you encounter in the Underdark is that uh, they all might be touched with different kinds of madness. Um, because demon lords, are they propagate madness. And mm-hmm. so you can meet gnolls who are just unusual by virtue of the fact that they have been tainted by insanity. And so they don't behave like they're gnoll brethren. Is there any chance at uh, the redemption of a knoll? Oh, that's uh, that's pretty remote. Um, we we don't play with the idea too much that knolls are good guys. Even at their best, they're pretty bad. Mm. But if they were, uh, I guess they were transformed hyenas. Yeah. So there was no uh, a chance that they could revert back to uh, hyena form. No, their transformation is permanent. And actually, we, we do say that specifically is there's really nothing that can undo what's created a knoll. Um, so terrible are they. Mm, interesting. All right. Well, I'm sure I just opened up the door for someone to be like, I want to play as a, a, a knoll. You know, people can do that. Um, <laughs> But I won't feel bad if, you know, their party turns on them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, party, you've got a, a recommendation from Chris Perkins himself. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks, Chris. You're welcome. All right. Cheerio. Bye-bye. Uh, all right, so yeah, that was amazing. I love talking to Matt and Chris. Uh, they drop lore bombs into my brain pan. <laughs> and people love the lore you should know, I guess. I know. So people said we should make an entire podcast about that. But, um, you know, I, I like it being like, I, I, I think there's, there's people, so much lore. There's it's so nice much. To just do little nuggets yeah. of it. Maybe, we, yeah, I like little nuggets. But yeah. then it gets you like little tastes. Lore and nuggets. Go look it up and, and learn about it uh, another way. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, let's get to our guest. We're going to call up Ben Quiller on the Skypes, and uh, we shall talk about Dungeons & Dragons. Cool. Yo! Oh, there it is. <laughs> I got you guys, and I, you guys are talking through some nice microphone. Ooh, well, it's all Ryan. It's Ryan amazing. makes us sound good. Good job, Ryan. Ain't <laughs> hey, no problem. Like- <laughs> oh, nobody ever talks to Ryan about this stuff. That's so exciting. Nobody cares about me. I know. Aw. Well, I'm here for you, bro. Thanks, pal. Uh, so we have a very special guest joining us today, Mr. Ben Queller. Hello. Hello, hello. Hi, Ben. Hi. So uh, uh, you know me, but that my co-host is uh, Shelly Mazanoble. You and Ben are like best friends. I know, from our, all of our me. phone <laughs> conversations and dozens of emails back yeah. and forth. <laughs> we share our New York... Uh, Area code cell phones. Too. That's right. That when that three four seven number came in, I was like, I'm pretty sure this is uh, who I think it is, and it was. <laughs> Where are you <laughs> in New York? Have... Well, I'm not in New York. That's the problem. <laughs> I, uh, I and I haven't been in New York for almost ten years. Um, I'm I live in Austin, Texas, oh. but I still have my three four seven. Yeah, I would hold on to the two o six as long as I could. There you go. Yeah, I get you. We're talking to you about uh, your, I mean, of course, you're, you've got a storied music career, but most importantly, we wanted to talk, because this is a Dungeons & Dragons-focused podcast, about your love of D&D, which I was so happy to find out from uh, my colleague, Liz Shu, that you were, you were really into it. Yes, I am, and I have been uh, ever since I discovered D&D um, when I was a wee lad in Greenville, Texas, where I grew up, small town. Mm-hmm. Um, and the local Hastings book oh. and record and tape shop. Um, and I 
found Dungeons and Dragons books and uh, used to just go sit in that aisle and just read books all the time. Nice. Um, so you I, discovered I, it on your own, just going into a store. You didn't have anybody. Uh, there was uh, there it? was a kid. I see. I, yeah, there was a kid in my neighborhood named Casey who told me about D and D, and we used to draw pictures of what we thought like different D and D characters would be. And uh, but then I found the the section of books, and it really opened up my eyes. Um, but Casey moved away, and so we never played together. And unfortunately, the thing about my small town is no one else really knew about Dungeons mm. and Dragons, and so I didn't have anybody to play with. So I pretty much just read by myself, and that is cool. uh, and kind of dreamed of playing. It's kind of a sad Dungeons <laughs> and Dragons upbringing. I know, <laughs> the lone, a solo practitioner. Yeah. But I think, I think that was common, you know, yeah. uh, uh, in the early days uh, of Dungeons and Dragons because, you know, it wasn't it wasn't quite so mainstream. There wasn't not, you know, every town, every community didn't have built in groups or game stores where people could go to. So I had a similar thing where I went to the library. Our public library had a few yeah. books. One of them was deities and demigods and i remember just going mm-hmm. in there and like pouring over that one copy Ooh, if your parents knew what you were doing in the library they so bad big bad. trouble <laughs> so when this casey told you about D, i'm just having this vision because you guys never played together you said no so he just came to you and told you i know about this thing yeah what did he tell thing. you about it well he just said there's this thing called dungeons and dragons and it's really cool and you you know you can be like whatever kind of character you want like a fighter or an elf or, you know a human or a dwarf and you can cast spells and but it's kind of like a choose your own adventure situation where the story just morphs and evolves and you know so we got i was always really into drawing and so that was kind of what we did was we just drew tons of pictures. But he also told me about dexterity and wisdom and like there are these different attributes, you know, that each person, each character has. And um, so we would just kind of make up characters. We would draw them and sort of just write down what their attributes were. We didn't have dice or anything. Like I didn't see multi-sided dice until, you know, years later because um, they didn't even have dice at at Hastings, actually, now that I think about it. Oh, really? They just had so, the books? They just had the books. Yeah. So and when then, did you start well, actually getting down to, to play? <clears throat> so then uh, there was a cool comic book store that opened up, mm-hmm. and uh, they would play, but I more watched because that was already kind of like the, the owners and their friends were like this built-in scene that clearly had been playing out of someone's house for a long time. Right. And I was still pretty young, you know, like maybe 11 or 12 years old. Um, so I was a little intimidated because they were all older. Yeah. Um, but I would watch them. And then um, I played my first game at summer camp. Um, during like some free time, there was this really cool kid with like jet black hair who had like a backpack that weighed a hundred pounds and he was totally the dungeon master (laughs) and he had, remember those really rad AD and D books that were like kind of maroon faux leather. Yeah. I remember those. The ones were like thief's handbook and the the fighter's handbook. Exactly. He had every one of those. So I was so into that. Um, you know. And so, yeah, so that was really cool. That is um, cool. Yeah, so we played. Um, and then 
you know, so then music really started taking over my life. And uh, fast forward, you know, 10 or so years, um, when, when, you're, when you're a songwriter, you have to come up with an entity for your publishing company. That's just sort of common practice in the music industry. So um, I decided uh, to name my publishing company 12-Sided Die. And so um, our friend Liz Shu at Wizards, <laughs> I one day got this random letter in the mail. And in the mail. it was, well, yeah, it was maybe an email, maybe an email. Maybe I'm just making this sound better for the podcast. Yeah, it was a storied parchment that was delivered by an owl. With a wax stamp. <laughs> that sounds more like it. Um, so anyway, I got this correspondence from <laughs> said Liz Shu. And she said, hey, I'm a big fan of your record. And I, because I, at that time it was my debut album, Shasha, had right. come out. So this was like 2002, I guess. And she said, I couldn't help but notice that the publishing company is called 12 Sided Die. Do you by chance play Dungeons mm -hmm. and Dragons? Secret handshake. I love it. I wrote. I wrote back and I was like, totally, I, I love D&D, even though I had only played a few times. Mm -hmm. But again, I have tons of books. I'm kind of obsessed. And so she said, I'm going to send you out a package, you know, of some goodies. And so on tour, we got a box of like the latest stuff. And so then on days off, me and the band and the crew would hold epic you know, games in like the days in or wherever we were staying for our day off. And so I started playing more as an adult, which was really fun. That's badass. So did you guys do uh, uh, like modules or was it more homebrew type stuff? It was more homebrewed I, or, well, yeah, kind of a, a mixture. We would, we mm -hmm. would start off with, you know, like a, a small adventure and kind of go from there. Who was the was, dungeon master? It was Brian, uh, our sound guy. Audio engineer. Uh -huh. Hats off to the yeah, sound guys. Yeah, sound guy. Totally, totally. Um, and cool. then, yeah. So. Did he play? Uh, yeah, had the other. Did he have history ahead of time as well? Yes, Anyone yeah, else? yeah, he knew what he was doing. So that was cool. Um, now, at the time, did they know, did you know that there was other D&D &D people amongst you? Or was it not until you opened the box that people started outing That's themselves? That's a good question. Um, I I think it might have been when we opened the box that Brian really I, I could have pegged him as an expert of Dungeons and Dragons. He was so smart, and yeah. so um, you know. But uh, yeah, once once we opened the box, he was like, "Well, I can be the DM because you know I have lots of experience." Nice. So, and, yeah, and he's good at doling out experience. Uh, right. Yes. yes. I yes. love the idea of this band on tour. Mm -hmm. And then when they're not playing on stage in front of screaming fans, they're in a day's in playing D&D. &D. <laughs> yeah. I right. love exactly. that. I know. Oh, yeah. It's exactly how I would totally. picture life on the road. Right. Not oh, yeah. the, you know, flogging no. of people with sharks. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Nope. We're just doing that in our imaginations. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> this is this is what really happens, kids. Yeah, lots of D and D. It's all glamour on the road. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Well, I'm sure there was at least some inebriance uh, going on during those days off. There were. Good. There were. 
I really need to preserve yeah. that rock star image a little bit. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what kind of character did you play during those sessions? Were you? Uh, I've you... always been really drawn to the half-elf. Um, I like the, the, the backstory that my mother is full-blooded elf. My father is a human. Hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, and I've toyed with different kind of iterations of that. But I like the half-elf. I like, you know, the improved vision at night um, and uh, the slightly pointed ears, but not overly pointed. It's a good look. Yeah, you can blend um, in in both mm -hmm, communities mm -hmm. if you need to. Yes, exactly, exactly. Kind of a diplomatic character, you know. So, um, yeah, I've always liked that, the half-elf. That was my first yep. like majorly long, uh, long running campaign. Was I, I played a half elf too? Except my lineage was different. I had a full blooded father who was an elf, and my mother was human. That's not realistic. Oh, uh, yeah, it's not realistic. You don't think not so? Realistic. No. no. Oh. I, the way Ben has it is. <laughs> it's a, yeah. it's a more uh, can canonically correct. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, yeah. Sean. Speaking as a woman. Come on. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> This makes sense now. Right? Yeah. I feel like elven men would just be a little too slight for me. I'm like a rather hardy right, female. Right. right. <laughs> I feel like we're getting into the psyche of, uh, of Shelly's. <laughs> we are. Yeah. This is why we do the show. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so did you guys ever, uh, you know, use some of the stuff uh, that happened in the game uh, on stage or, you know, did ever, I mean, I'm, I've listened to a bunch of uh, your records, but I never really, you know, I, I, after I found out from Liz, I was like, oh, I wonder if there's any references that I missed, but they don't seem to really filter in too much. Well, um, not necessarily. Well, okay, so there was, before I became a solo artist, I had a band called Radish mm -hmm. and we were sort of like a we called our music sugar metal. So it was kind of like this post-grunge pop, like the monkeys with distortion pedals kind of thing. Right. Um, and we did have this song called The You In Me. And uh, it uh, the opening line is, I like to play D&D &D and watch the Spanish channel on TV. <laughs> um, and so that's the only time I've, I think I've straight up referenced D&D. &D. Um, and that was when I was 16. Still in the phase of, actually, I wasn't really quite playing D&D, &D, but I put it in a song because I felt like I was. Um, <laughs> you were playing in your own way. Um, yeah. Um, you know, but I got to say, like, at the same time of sitting, you know, in the Dungeons & Dragons section of Hastings, that was also near the New Age section. And so I also simultaneously got really into, you know, nature magic, like real magic, white magic, mm. Wicca, um, like learning about paganism and witchcraft and things like that. Um, always white magic. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, tarot and astrology. So a lot of that, like metaphysical stuff, is, I've really gravitated to that and spirituality and things, you know, and the way nature, the laws of nature work. Um, and so that stuff really has kind of entered into, you know, more than one song. Yeah. Um, you know, they're like, light my white candle, keep me safe, kind of, that's a lyric from a song called Make It Up, mm -hmm. which is on the Shasha album. Um, but yeah, different references, you know, karma, basic things like that. What about uh, on stage? Did you guys ever, uh, you know, reference the last night's game or something like that on stage <laughs> with each other? I, man, I wouldn't be, I don't remember a, a moment straight up, but I'm sure that's something we would have talked about. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah totally. Seems I'm sure. Like it. Yeah, I so, would. 
I was at a, uh, uh, I think it was at the Southpaw in Brooklyn. I think I saw oh. you. Uh, yeah. When you, when you were doing uh, each individual album. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's where I met. That's where I uh, first got introduced to Tim Fight too. Did you? Did you? Uh, so were you like roommates with him? Is that how that? No, we were just really great friends in mm -hmm. Brooklyn. Um, he had a really cool hip hop group called Little T and One Track Mike, and we used to play a bunch of shows together. And then he went solo, became Tim Fight. Yeah, yeah. And. Uh, I've just always loved him. He's just a close friend, an amazing visual artist as well. Yeah, he, yeah. that show introduced me to him, so I've been kind of following his career a little bit too. Uh, nice. Uh, did you guys always, did you guys know each other? You and you Ben? Ben? No, we just Brooklyn no. is the oh, shared okay. heritage. Okay, so you haven't met yes. at all. We were in the same yeah. room, is what he's saying. Yeah, who, yeah. Would, who would have thought? Yeah, well, he <laughs> was playing later, music, and he was playing it to You would me. be interviewing him on the D&D podcast. I know, right? It's so crazy. Hey, hey. I miss, I miss that venue, though. I haven't, I haven't been back to uh, you know, Park Slope in a while, but that Southpaw venue, I, mean, I had buddies that went through there uh, and uh, you know, played with their bands and smaller things. I thought they might be giants there a bunch of times. I miss it. it it's oh. closed down. Oh. oh, yeah. so sad. So sad. It. Much like uh, you know Hastings closing down. <laughs> I know. Yes, exactly. Those were the best stores. You could do everything. Yeah. You know, I know. Music, books. Yeah. Anyway, so while D and D maybe hasn't verbally influenced your your music, has it in some way influenced your professional career? Is it you feel like it, playing D and D or reading about D and D has made you feel more creative or? Inspired oh, I would in some say ways. so. Yeah, I would say so. Um, it's totally, you know, a, a mind-opening uh, thing to get into. Um, and, yeah, just, just to learn that, you know, different actions have reactions. And, uh, yeah, you, you can learn a lot from playing a game of Dungeons & Dragons. And so, yeah, it's probably, it probably has affected me in lots of ways. Expands the vocabulary too. Yes, that was it does. One thing for I, sure. I always yes. try to... my, my my piano dexterity is on point. <laughs> <laughs> and you actually have a, you have a word for it now. You're like, all right, yeah, I definitely have an 18 dexterity for my for yes my, for, my, for my digits. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> stalagmites. I mean, I would never have said stalagmites probably ever. I know. If not for D and D. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. You know the you know the difference between <laughs> stalagmite and stalactite. Like you know? Stalactites hold tight so they're the ones above to the to the ceiling, ceiling. yes right? and yeah. the stalagmites from D &D too. <laughs> the stalagmites might grow up to the ceiling oh that's the mnemonic they just might <laughs> i think that could one be of, a song it's one of those though that kind of it's kind of like beer before liquor never sicker because yeah. you could say beer after liquor and yep. you, it's confusing because you could say stalactites are tight to the floor and stalagmites might grow down to the floor. Right, like it, right. It doesn't help you very much. And you're usually trying to do that beer one like while you're drinking, and then it's just really confusing. Like, <laughs> yeah, wait, exactly. wait, wait, wait. Should I have had this first? First, left. Oops. Remember that. That was the wrong way. Uh, so you're uh, you're a father. You mentioned uh, uh, yes. you're getting your kids all all you know situated after school. Um, do you ever think about you know, playing D and D with them was that something that they'd be interested well, in? We have, and nice. that's kind of how my my uh, in the past few years um, they've really gotten into it. And so now I'm the dungeon master, um, and yeah, 
they play. And we had one really epic game where we brought in a dungeon master. I actually went so far as I posted uh, an ad on Craigslist in Austin, like seeking dungeon master, and explained like father yeah. of like you know two Be kids careful. like want to play. Yeah, I know. <laughs> my, my wife was like, what are you doing? That's kind of messed up. Misconnections. Um, we saw you uh, but, playing D&D. Yeah, I got one response and it was some dude that wrote, Bill, is that you? <laughs> <laughs> like some other dad desperately looking for a dungeon oh master. It's really so hilarious. Um, but uh, so... Dorian, our 10-year-old, his godfather is a singer named Adam Green, actually in New York, who had a mm-hmm. band called The Moldy Peaches. And Adam's brother, Joel Green, who is an amazing astrophysicist in real <laughs> life, um, worked at UT here in Austin for many years and recently moved to Baltimore, which we're all really sad about. But Joel is full-on Dungeon Master man. And so he came over for a game that we organized with my two boys and two other kids and their dad. And Joel was our bona fide dungeon master. And it was like the best game ever. And it's just so fun to see these kids. You know, they're like between the ages of six and ten. And just the way you can see their minds working to figure out problems. And like the answers that they would come up with were just so cool and outside of the box. And, um, you know, just different ways to deal with these issues. It was cool. That is cool. Um, I might have a dungeon master for you in Austin. Ooh, uh, no. Griffin no. McElroy, who we've talked oh, to on the podcast before. Austin? He lives in Austin. Okay, now that would be the most yeah. funny. He's a guy, He he's in a uh, uh, podcast called uh, My Brother, My Brother and Me uh, with his two brothers. Um, mm-hmm. Very popular. Was referenced in uh, Hamilton. Lin-Manuel Miranda actually listens what? to it and, and referenced it in Hamilton. Uh, but he on a, also has a podcast called Adventure Zone that he's been running with his uh, uh, his brothers and his dad. His actually dad playing, is hysterical. Uh, Dungeons oh. and Dragons, and he's and he lives in Austin. You should totally look him up. I'll, I can even. Oh my. Okay, connect us, please. Yeah. So rad. I think he would. I think he would uh, jump at the chance. It seems pretty cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So that way you don't have to worry. So do you not like dungeon mastering? Is that why you were looking for for someone else to well, kind of come in? So. As someone who's always been the one with all the books, I have fallen, you know, outside of the time at summer camp and on tour with Brian, the sound engineer, mm-hmm. I've been the one that's always like, hey, do you want to play D&D with me? And so inherently you have to be the dungeon master when you're usually in that situation, you totally. know. Um, but I, I, I just, I crave just being a player because that's, you know, some people really love DMing and, and it really can be fun. I like that too, but sometimes you just want to, lay back and let the story unfold. Yeah. Uh, Do you think it's because, else? you know, you're you're in your professional life, you kind of have to be the front man and, and, and you know, that be the focus of attention. Probably, and then it, now yeah. who are we psychoanalyzing? Oh. <laughs> yes, that's probably what it is. Good one, Tito. I be the boss. I don't want to. Yeah, I just want to be one of the guys. <laughs> yeah, man, totally. So what characters were your kids drawn to? Well, um... They like elves. Uh, nice. I don't I like have this family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we like elves. I like um, elves too. I, but but Judah, um, my six year old, he does have a dwarf character. Just your stereotypical huge, big, wide dwarf, you know, with a battle axe. Because he does he does like that. Dorian's definitely more elfy. I think he's full blooded elf. <laughs> Straight up. 
Well, with a name like Dorian, I feel like, you know, based on his namesake yeah. alone, that makes sense. Yeah. Right. And Judah, the dwarf, they're actually kind of, that, yeah. That does work. Yeah. yeah. Is it that, does that follow their, their personalities out of the game, too? It kind of does. Yeah. It does. That's funny. Like, uh, Judah's kind of more of a brute and doing <laughs> a little more sensitive and, you know, got that elvish like kind of thing. Yeah. It is totally like yeah. Marquez, yeah. Fiona would be a dwarf. <laughs> She'd be more like a uh, uh, tiefling. Okay, I see that. <laughs> she's got like a totally a devil streak in her. <laughs> Maybe that's just because she's she's three. And uh, uh, all three year olds go through the tiefling phase. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's awesome. We should chart that mo- you know that like progression <gasps> of should. growing up and what uh, D and D character yes. or race they end up yep. being. Uh, <laughs> that's amazing. So are your are your kids also getting into uh, you know uh, other fantasy stuff? Is it, do you feel like that's you know something that is more mainstream and accepted now? Uh, uh, yeah, we it definitely you know definitely a lot more mainstream. You know, from what I see, you know the stuff they play with and uh, are hearing about at school. Um, the new thing that Dorian's super into is anime and manga. Like he just discovered that he too loves to draw. So he's really obsessed with like doing anime more of Japanese animation stuff. And, uh, but the fantasy stuff for sure. I mean, he also loves to play magic, the gathering. Nice. Um, so we've been playing that a lot lately. Um, that's something that's easier to pick up and just play a few games and, yeah, exactly. Does he um, dig the art on all those cards as well? For sure, for sure. Is he a, uh, or, or even you, are you a, like a doodler at the table? Do you like draw the scenes of what's happening or your characters Ooh, as you're playing? No, no. Oh, really? I didn't know that was a, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I, whenever I play with people who are of the artist persuasion, I feel like, you know, that's what they spend most of their time doing is kind of just like dramatizing what's happening. And then I'll be like, hey, that's yeah, awesome. I want to go to that's you. What's happening? And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I was just drawing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's a cool way to remember your game. Yeah, that's what I love about it is yeah. that it almost ends up being, if they, you know, if they're prolific enough, it ends up being like a notebook full yeah. of little vignettes and scenes <laughs> from what, cool. what happened in the game. I like that. So, Ben, do you ever make it to any conventions or shows? Because isn't PAX South your is that in Austin? It's not in Austin. It's in San Antonio. Oh, okay. In the same area. There's Rooster Teeth yeah. uh, experiences down there. Oh, yeah. Hmm. No, so no, I have not, but I would love to. So. Okay, well, don't plan any tour dates in January. Okay. <laughs> I have nothing in January. All right. Your kids would love it. Your 10-year-old would love PAX, especially. Ooh, they both would. All right. Yeah. We got a t- is, that, is that a gaming? Is it a D&D only? What's the- no, it's full-on gaming, all gaming. Lots of digital gaming. It- but there's awesome. also D and D has a presence there. Magic has a presence there. Yeah, awesome. It's like a big, giant four day festival of gaming. Yeah, and instead of going into a, a single room of people playing D and D, you're going into a room with hundreds of people all sitting at tables, uh, imagining. It's kind of amazing when you think about like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, there's probably like forty different shards of reality happening in this <laughs> one room. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I gotta go. Yeah. Are you guys coming down for that? Any of you? We are, I don't think we are, uh, but uh, we're uh, thinking about other events that we'll be going to uh, coming okay. up. And definitely Texas is one uh, in general, uh, you know, because I know it's cool. such a small state that we're just going to go to. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. For like a day. Come For like a day. day. Yeah. We're just going to tour We'll just Texas. be there in a day. <laughs> hit, a bunch totally. of, hit a bunch of cities. That's it. Yeah. Nice. Uh, that's cool. 
So um, I, do you find uh, that you know, next time you go on tour, you're going to kind of make it a mandatory thing to be like, hey, everybody, you know, as far as when we start, let's start our characters and we'll run a campaign, uh, you know, traveling around the world. Well, I think it might have to. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Maybe wear yeah. costumes. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe the encore, we just play around. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Well, would you yeah. ever do any live streaming games? I mean, have you noticed that a lot of people are doing this now? No. Yeah. I'm a That's... little out of touch with this stuff. So, yeah, I uh, I like that idea. Just set up a webcam and go for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's very yeah. popular. All right. I'm in. Because I definitely know, you know, my my kids have showed me all these, there's all these YouTube, you know, gamers like that are doing Minecraft. That's mm-hmm. the whole thing they're sort of obsessed with, so. Let's yeah. take it analog and play D and D, man. Yeah, we could totally do that. We'll definitely set that up. Uh, yeah, and then Twitch is a thing uh, where uh, you know it's mostly based around digital gaming right now, but there's more and more tabletop stuff that's being stuff. played. Mm. Uh, so uh, yeah, I don't know. If, one show if you want to go check out is Critical Role. Uh, okay. Stream on every Thursday uh, on Twitch, but it's definitely. Uh, I think you dig it. It's it's a whole bunch of voice actors. Um, in Hollywood, uh, playing Dungeons and Dragons, so they they bring that performance level awesome. to it, which uh, you know awesome. your normal D and D game doesn't have that amount of uh, voice talent chops. I like that, but they Good. do it. They do it up. Yes, it's cool. And maybe you'll maybe you could show up as the bard. Yeah, yes, there you go. I will. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever played a bard? Have you ever gone into someone who actually? No, I've, I've thought about it. I've considered it, um, but I've always. With because I've usually played with really small parties of mm-hmm. characters, so it seems a little underpowered. But maybe I'm underestimating the powers of the bard. You'll have to tell me. I, don't know. I, I personally think the new edition uh, of the bard uh, is makes them the most versatile and uh, able to do. I mean, they're able to do a whole bunch of stuff. That was always their their shtick was that they're jack of all trades. Uh, but yeah. now they have stuff where they 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 do all that, but then they also can be super effective. Uh, in dealing with stuff. My favorite is they have a ability that's a, it's an at will, so you can do it like whenever you want. It's called Ooh. Vicious Mockery. Uh. And you're basically, Ooh. I love the flavor of it, is you're basically insulting the monster so bad that they take <laughs> damage, they take psychic damage from it. Whoa, <laughs> I love that. So <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm DMing that, I always make sure that the player who's casting that spell tries to come up with some, you know, zing or, or something yes. to make them make them feel bad. And they're not always, you know, they're not always great, but when they do are spot on, it's like, yes, of course you do psychic damage. I feel hurt by you saying that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it's fun. Well, that's my new character for the next tour, so Sweet. done. What do you, uh, so yeah, what are you working on now? Are you... Uh... Well, right now I'm off the road uh, writing my new album, I have about 40 songs done, and I'm just sort of figuring out which direction I want to go. Because when you write, for me, like, you know, I don't always, I'm not always able to control what kind of song I I write. So, you know, like a rock song song might pop out, or a folky song, or a country song, or like this crazy punk rock thing, or a pop thing. Mm -hmm. So I just write, write, write. And uh, so I'm up to 40 tunes, which... When I put into three different buckets, you know, like there's, I could make like three different types of albums. Mm. Um, so I'm just trying to figure out where I'm, where my heart's really leaning. And so I'll probably write a few more. Um, and I'm actually, I'm playing a show 
this weekend in Marfa, Texas, which is a really cool festival called the Trans Picos Festival of Music, Art, and Love. Sweet. And uh, it's a really cool little West Texas desert scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm going to debut a bunch of new tunes. So that'll be a lot of fun. I'm excited about that. Is that stressful? Uh, uh, being like, here's my first, you know, public <clears throat> performance of something. A little bit. I'm a little nervous about it, mainly just to remember all the lyrics because <laughs> that's the hardest thing. Because uh, when I write songs, I don't then go and practice them. I usually finish it, do a quick recording of it, and then move on. You know. Um, but now that I, I kind of told myself, okay, well, just play new songs in Marfa. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've made a quick set list, and now I've just been running the set. So. That's that's what I'm most nervous about is just kind of messing up the lyrics because it's kind of an important part. Especially I'm playing I'm playing solo acoustic, so it'll just be oh, one yeah. instrument and my voice. No, I feel like that's kind of like being a dungeon master. That yeah. like if yeah. you if you mess it up or if you don't remember something, you don't know a rule, you make it up. They don't you know it it's up. your song. Nobody's exactly. heard it before. Well, just start going la la la. <laughs> And now we hit on one of the big ways that Dun- Dungeons and Dragons has affected my See? professional there life. There we go. We knew we could bring hey, it full circle. Too. Full circle. Full circle. So, how when you write songs, what do, what do you? Is it the lyrics that come out first? Is it the music? Is it both? Like, how does this work? Most of the time, it's the music. Uh, like I'll sit at the guitar or the piano and come up with a chord progression or a lick or a riff and. Um, just kind of repeat that over and over and then I just start singing whatever melody comes to me and sort of like stream of consciousness words, you know, kind of gibberish mm-hmm. until something kind of sounds interesting and then I'll write that down and then kind of go from there. And usually that's how I do it where it's music and then the, the lyrics fill in the blanks. Um, there have been some times where I've had success like, you know, writing just the lyrics first and then applying the music to it last. Um, probably my favorite song where I did that is a song called On My Way, um, where I, I basically wrote that on an airplane, like our first trip to Japan. Um, that's obviously a long flight. Yeah. And so I'm away, yeah. on our way back to the U.S., um, I just wrote in my sketchbook the the lyrics to that and got off the plane and tried to find the music for it. So that was that's probably the, the best example of when I've done it the reverse. But most of the time it is music first and then that informs the lyrics. That's so interesting. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's fascinating. I just can't wrap my brain around how yeah. writing music <laughs> just doesn't – it's not something I can even imagine. I tried once when I was like 16. I was like, I'm going to write a song. And I was like, blam, blam, blam. Okay, I got nothing. <laughs> yeah. it's it's the work of a bard you must be a bard yeah exactly <laughs> that's, that's why i like playing a bard because i can live out the fantasy of someone who can do that stuff uh, there you go exactly. that's why D is yeah. great yeah i'm still hung up on the 40 songs that you can mention it's like 40 songs and then you, and then you yeah, cut those prolific. down into you know the 10 or 12 that you would have on an album yeah you know, and some songs aren't even songs that I would do, you know. Um, sometimes it, I write a song and I'm like, ooh, that would be cool for someone else, you know. Like I I tend to write country songs once in a mm-hmm. while. And uh, so like 11 of those 40 are, are like bona fide, full-on Nashville country songs that then I'll, you know, send off to other artists and stuff that might want to cut them 
which is really oh, kind of cool. That is cool. Yeah. Is that um, how it works? You, if you'd be like, "Hey, yeah. I have this song. This seems like it matches." Yeah, that for in Nashville, it does work a lot of times that mm. way. Uh, you know, a lot of the artists don't write, and so uh, they're really like full-on singers. And so Nashville kind of runs on like songwriters and then singers separately, um, and then in the pop world too. Um, but then there's, you know, I, I like to do co-writes too. That's always fun. Just like getting in the room yeah. with someone else and, and just writing up a tune, especially if it's like for them. Cause then it, it, it's really fun because you, at least I like to ask them a bunch of questions like, okay, like what's going on in your world right now? And just kind of getting into their headspace mm-hmm. and trying to accommodate that with a song. It's just, I don't know. It's kind of an interesting concept yeah um because usually for me it's just i'm always writing ben queller songs i'm just like talking about my feelings and you know what i mean so it's fun to to kind of sit in someone else's shoes right. especially if they're gonna ha- be singing it you Get know in their heads a little bit yes. and kind of be like it's like role playing actually yeah exactly Oh. Well, speaking of uh, 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 Nashville and co-writing and uh, you know collaboration, uh, I want to talk a little bit about your work with Ben Folds. He's been someone that I've you know followed his career as well, and I love that you two intersected for a little bit there. Yes. What was that like? Yeah. Well, that was amazing. That was, um, I guess, that was like in two thousand three. Mm-hmm. Um, so Shasha had come out, and um, I was friends with Ben Lee. And then he introduced me to Ben Folds. So the three of us would hang out. And uh, a, I guess some fans of ours got wind that we all three knew each other. And someone on a message board said, you guys should start a super group. And so <laughs> we kind of laughed about that and thought that was funny. And then one day Folds called me up and said, dude, I've been thinking about that message board comment. And like, we should really do that. So can you and Ben Lee come to Nashville and let's just see what happens? And so we went down there and that was really my first time to really collaborate, like for writing songs, like to actually do co-writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for them too, like I remember us all talking about that, like cause we had prior to that only ever really written our own songs for ourselves. Um, and so we didn't know how it would turn out, but we ended up writing four songs and recording the four songs in three days wow. so it was really creative um and we had this one song called just pretend where we had our verse melody and uh we each wanted to do a verse and so we all kind of went into our own corners and just wrote our own verses without telling each other what they were going to be about and then came back to the piano and we just started playing the song and one after another sang our verse and it was just perfect yeah. you know it's just one of those fun moments that where it all came together is that what ended um, up on the uh on the ep yeah that's no it way. so like the verse that we each sing and just pretend are verses that we each wrote on our own you know in our own part of the studio and came back together and just pressed record that is so cool uh yeah that's awesome. Uh, as someone who's been listening to that for a while, it's, it's cool to hear. I didn't realize that it was all just and now you have to go back and listen and to it. And now I have to go back and listen to yeah. it again, yeah. And you guys have a little, you know, on the EP, you guys have a little, you know, crosstalk back and forth. I remember them being like, what is that? That was the extended version or something like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah, was that this, this somebody had played like another refrain just again? And it, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't even remember, but that, I got to go back and listen. Yeah. That's awesome. It seemed like that. So you guys totally captured that like fun, creative, collaborative moment in those in those four recordings 
Totally. Yeah, it was really fun. Did you guys do ever, you know, I mean, I'm totally stretching here, but did you ever uh, find out if they like to play Dungeons & Dragons at all in that little three days? Hmm. I do not recall any talk of D and D. Maybe they were too shy. Um, to they were too <laughs> possibly. That's true. I, I Foldsy might. I could see him dabbling in the art of Dungeons and Dragons yeah. at some point. Um, ben Lee, you know, he grew up in Australia. Not sure the presence of D and D in Australia at that time. You know, when when, when he was. Up, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Probably more so now, uh-huh. but yeah, I think uh, it might be a little bit. Totally. I love that you guys refer to each other by last names. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. there's no other choice. Very confusing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For a while, there was uh, two other Gregs working here in the uh, in the area. Greg of, has of, destroyed them all. Uh, yeah, they're all gone now. But uh, <laughs> but I was I was made sure to everyone be like, call me Tito, call me, because it doesn't work when you just say. Yeah our first names because we're all both like what tito anyway you have the last name that people just want to say i hope so tito 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 see you're gonna wind up in a song it's the potato head potato head potato so we need to get you some kind of like a D&D t-shirt or something that you could just yeah. kind of like wear casually so people will just come to you and profess yeah, their, exactly. their allegiance. I would love it. Yeah. I need, yeah. Mr. Petito uh, Head can hook you up. I will. Will indeed. Yeah. He's the swag master. Awesome. I love it. I will wear. I promise. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, it was great awesome. uh, uh, talking to you. I feel like we got like a... Uh, uh, you know, insight into the creative mind of Ben Queller, which is always yeah. awesome. But I feel like we could <laughs> dig into that a lot more too. I know there's more. Yeah, we can always do version two next okay. year. You know, so. yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, hopefully next time you're in uh, in Seattle, I'll be able to come down and uh, and check out your show. We'll come play. We'll play D and D with you. We'll play D and D with you. Yes, Tito will be your Let's. DM. That's right. Yeah, I volunteer. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking to thank me you. and. All you listeners out there, yeah, keep game up, everybody. Where can uh, where can they find out the latest stuff uh, about what you're doing? And- well, yeah, BenQueller.com, B-E-N-K-W-E-L-L-E-R.com. Uh, that obviously the at BenQueller on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, that stuff is there too. Um, but at BenQueller.com, you can sign up for Queller News, which uh, we are about to. Uh, come back out with our our newsletters again i've been kind of offline for a while since i've been writing Mm -hmm. kind of hibernating in the studio but um now that i have a bunch of songs i think i'm going to start just kind of giving some songs to my fans only via the email list which i think will be fun so that's a cool thing um definitely worth signing up for that awesome yeah i'm gonna go sign up for that now uh and uh you uh you have a good rest of the day man take it easy all right. Thank you, Thank guys. Bye-bye. Bye, Ben. Bye. Kind of have so a friend crush fun. on Ben Queller uh, right have, about now. There's a bromance going on here. <laughs> I feel like you two would really hit it off in real life. I can't wait to tell uh, my buddy uh, I can't. who introduced me to him uh, way back in the day. And I can't I wait to like, tell your wife. <laughs> <laughs> that there's a bromance <laughs> happening. <laughs> Um, I oh, go yeah, to Austin, Texas to run a game for some, some, some rock musicians. Why is Greg doing so much work in Austin, Texas? <laughs> hmm. Hmm. 
He's so nice. He's a really cool dude. And uh, I really like uh, his music. So if you don't know anything about Ben Queller, go check it out. He has a lot. He's now I know lot. how he's cranked out so many albums. He's writing like 40 songs at a time. Super Is that prolific. normal, Ryan? You're a musician. Yeah. Yes, he says. Yeah. All right, well. We're the, well, we're the we're, weird we're, ones. We're no longer impressed. We're the, we're the writers who are like, well, maybe I'll write once. Maybe I'm a, I am going to strive for maybe 50 to 60 words tonight. <laughs> <laughs> On Twitter? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, right, exactly. That's where I do my best. That makes perfect sense. So now we got to get a super group together of uh, D&D rock stars. Uh, so um, I, I think we can make it work. I think it's, we're going to get them all together. We're going to have... Uh, We'll, we'll list them out when we have them all confirmed. But okay. we're, we're slowly collecting a super group. I don't know if it'll be people who are, you know, can actually play music together, but they're going to be able to play Dungeons & Dragons or together. Or just people who are named Ben. Just people who are named Ben, <laughs> exactly. It'd be Ben Petrosaur. Oh, yeah, there we go. There's another one. <laughs> yeah, uh, from the D&D team. Yep. Totally different personality-wise than Ben Queller. He could have, like, a secret musical life we don't know about. He's got so many secrets, that Ben Petrosaur. I know. You know, I actually learned a few secrets. I'm not going to... Out Talk him? about them off mic. Yeah, but yeah. I was really, I was like, whoa, huh? whoa. Really? I know, who exactly told me right. that? Ah, oh, Chris Lindsay. He's like a wealth of secrets, by the way. Sweet. All right, well, we're going to get to the bottom of that. We're going to yep. do some investigative journalism uh, as far as finding out about all that. But I'm glad we got to, you know, hang out with Ben and and learn about his Dungeons and Dragons-ness. I know. Me too. Me too. So uh, you can uh, follow me on Twitter. I'm at Greg Tito. Uh, you can ask me anything about Dungeon Mastering and or my fandom of Ben Queller and Ben Folds and the Bens and or... And bromances. Bromancing in Brooklyn. Uh, Whoa! Shelly, where can they find out about uh, something that alliterates from you? Credible. <sighs> I don't know. Now you've really She's raised the bar. At Shelly Moo dot Shamalama Ding Dong. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, or Avalon Hill 2, the number two. Don't forget, follow Avalon Hill on Twitter. Electric Boogaloo. Electric Boogaloo 2. <laughs> or Avalon Hill 2. And, and of course, uh, you can follow all of your uh, Dungeons and Dragons stuff at DungeonsDragons.com, uh, Wizards underscore DND. Storm King's Thunder is out. Yep. It is a wonderful adventure. It's epic. Go check it out. Volo's Guide to Monsters. It's huge. It's dropping very soon. It's tremendous. It's a tremendous book about uh, monsters. Uh, it will be in game stores November 1st. It's got some 4th? 4th. Wide release uh, after that, I believe, November 15th. Um, it, uh, there's an alt cover, an alternate cover that's created by so who? Someone awesome. Hi. Are we allowed to say it? I'm, I'm telling you. Yeah, go ahead and say it. Hydro 74. That's correct. Bing, ding, 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 ding. Oh, uh, it's such an awesome cover. Uh, it's artwork uh, that would put all, all other artwork to he, shame. I will tell you this, and this What's is that? huge for me. What's that? If I were ever going to have a tattoo, which I won't. Pointing to Ryan. Or... He's got lots of tattoos. <laughs> I would want something designed by him. Cool. I feel like his art is something that I actually could stare at for the rest of my life. Funnily enough, I bet he uh, can make that happen for you. I know. No, I'm not know. ready yet. Right. All right. Well, I'll call up uh, uh, him and uh, get, add him to the super group of people to play Dungeons & Dragons with. Um, He's got to change his name, though. If you like this conversation, uh, please <laughs> go ahead and call. Uh, get over to the iTunes. <laughs> 
<laughs> give us a rating and a review. It always helps uh, get more people to discover uh, Dungeons & Dragons and uh, how awesome it is. So please do that. Uh, and if you have any other system, if you're catching this podcast or any other means, use those systems too. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Do it. Technology is amazing. Do it now and then do it after and then do it again. And then tell your friends. And then do it in the road. But not while driving. Not while driving. No, no, no. no. That's crazy. Do you know uh, that? I don't know what they're learning in daycare, but Quinn told me the other day, don't drink and drive. You might spill it. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, oh, so close. Oh, man. Yes. Your, your three-year-old totally schooled you. He did. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Well, we're going to take off. See you guys next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.